0: Say it, I am what it says I am, and I can do what it says I can do. Say today, I will be taught the uncompromised word of God. Say, and I declare that after having heard the word of God, I will be transformed into the word that I've heard. Say, I will be a doer and not just a hearer. Say, I receive this confession right now in Jesus' name. Now, before you take your seat, give God some praise. Like, everything you're believing for, you already got it. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Listen, uh, get your notepad out if you need to. Uh, get your uh, Bible out. Get your, your phones out, your tablets. But I'm telling you, we're getting ready to go to class this morning. Amen. And, and, and it's, it's important, too, because you can go to church to a lot of places where they can entertain you and they can shout you and they can make you feel good. But the question I always say is, what you going to do with all that when you get home? And so this morning, uh, I feel a little like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul says, I don't come to you in excellency of speech. And this morning, I'm not coming to you with something that's all packaged together and that's going to sound real good. But I am telling you, we are going to take a journey together and we are going to take a journey and we're going to find out over the next three weeks what it means to walk in faith. Amen. Because when we talk about faith. Uh, I want to I want to I want to delineate here. We're not talking about faith like people use it in the context of they say I'm of the Baptist faith or I'm of the Methodist faith or the Catholic faith. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the measure of faith or the thing that God put on the inside of every believer so that we could live according to his word and we're going to we're going to talk about several things over the next few weeks but today we're going to uh, really hit home on a couple of issues just to give you some foundation about what faith is, because I can't make any assumptions. I don't know how long you've been uh, in, your, in your Christian journey. I don't know what churches you've come from in the past. I don't know what you've been taught. So if I say something that you already know, j- just say amen to that. Amen. And for those of you who don't know, then maybe it'll be revelation for you. But we're going to, to, to dig in here, and, and we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk from the subject, faith, the key to victorious living. And how many of you know that the Word of God tells us, and if you don't know, I want you to know that the Word of God tells us that the life God designed for us was not a life of doom and gloom. The life that God has designed for us to live as believers is a life of prosperity. It is a, a life of what we call peace. That word peace means shalom. It means nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen. You know, I know that people uh, in, in different denominations and churches and they, they make it sound like almost like God's out to get us. But I want you to say this this morning say, God is not out to get me. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor that. Say, God is not out to get you. Now turn to your other neighbor and tell them, say, God is not out to get you. That is a foundational principle because if you don't operate, From the standpoint that God's not out to get you, you will be afraid to do the very thing God's asking you to do. And faith is about action. Say that. Say, faith is about action. And we're going to talk about that later, but I'm telling you, man, there are times in your life that God is going to ask you to do something. And if you think that God is out to get you, or God is out to make you look bad, or God is out somehow to trip you up, then you won't even be willing to do the thing that seems strange when God asks you to do it. And how many of you know that God asked you to do something that seems strange? And, and now here's not that it is strange, but it seems strange. And it seems strange to you because you and I are so used to working off of our five senses and off of our intellect. And so, the, you know, if, if you and I feel a pain in our body uh, and, 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 and we start to say things like, I'm sick, but the word of God says we're healed. And so when God says to you, well, I want you to open your mouth and say you're healed, then you start to rationalize why that doesn't make sense. But if you know that God's only intention is is out to do you good, then whenever God asks you to do something, you won't mind doing it. Amen? So the goal of my message today is to help every person in this room and every person who will eventually hear this message to understand what faith is, how to appropriate your faith, and then how to develop a systematic plan to both grow and release your faith. Because faith does no good unless it is released. I'm going to say that again. Faith does you no good unless it is released. The Bible talks about this in the book of James. The book of James says that faith without what? Works is what? Dead being alone. So if you say, I got great faith, but you don't ever learn to release your faith or to act upon your faith, then you don't have any more faith than anybody who says they don't have any because your faith is not activated. Amen? And so my goal today, again, is to teach you and to help you understand what faith is, how to appropriate that faith, and then how to develop a systematic plan to both grow and release your faith. Tell your neighbor, say, I am ready to receive. Amen. Now, today I'm going I'm to have you to say a lot of things today because part of faith is about getting something into you, but then also getting something out of you. The Bible says that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. If you get faith on the inside of you, it can't help but to flow out of you. Amen? And so I want to lay a foundation for you to understand exactly how that works. You know the Word of God is filled, literally, with thousands of precious promises that God has made available to those of us who would take the opportunity, after having heard the gospel message, to say yes to becoming His sons or His daughters in the kingdom. God has many promises available to us. In fact, when you read the word of God, if you take your time and you read through it, you will see that even back in the book of Genesis, that that, that God began to lay out for Abraham all the things he was going to do for him. He, but, but, but in order to do that, he, even though he didn't describe it this way, he was telling Abraham, Abraham had to act in faith. He says, Abraham, I need you to come with me. I'm going to take you to a place. He says, I'm going to show it to you. He says, and I need you to leave your family behind, and I need you to just come with me. That was literally one of the first times in the Bible that we see God asking a man to step out on faith. Why was this important? Because prior to that time, Abraham and his family, they all believed in multiple gods. There was no such thing as a singular God. They had a God for rain. They had a God for the crops. They had a God for their marriage. They had a God for everything. But what happens is that this singular God comes and he asked this man literally to change everything that he believes. And when we begin to talk about walking in faith, that's what it's going to feel like to you. The things you've been used to doing, God's going to ask you to do something different. It's going to seem so foreign from everybody in your environment. It's going to seem so foreign to everything you used to do. You're going to have to do just like Abraham, and you're just going to have to trust God. You're just going to have to believe God. Why? Because in order to receive any promise from God, it can only be obtained through faith. All of the promises, all these thousands of promises that God makes available for us can only be accessed or obtained through faith. Say this, say the promises of God are only obtained by faith. Now, it doesn't matter what you think the word of God is clear on that. It is clear that if you're going to receive something of God, your mechanism for receiving it is through faith. Amen? Amen. This is why it is so important for the believer to grow up spiritually and to both develop and live a lifestyle of faith. One of the things we talk about, and if, how many of you were here two weeks ago when Pastor Valley preached the message about uh, the, the last part of the breaking free a uh, breaking free series, and, and in that he talked, he said some things that were so important because he talked about how he, he reiterated how man is a tripartite being. And because man is a tripartite being, there are portions of us that have been worked on. There are portions of us that are being worked on. And there's another portion of us that will be worked on. Amen? When we begin to talk about faith, I'm talking about your soul, man. I'm talking about the part of you that is your mind, your will, your emotions, your imagination, and your intellect. I'm talking about the part of you that can say, They can rationalize things in your life. See, your spirit man doesn't rationalize things in your life. Your spirit man always agrees with God. Say, my spirit man always agrees with God. If God says you're healed, your spirit man believes that instantaneously. The part of you that needs work is your soul. Say, my soul needs work. And the reason your soul needs work is because that is the place where the devil tries to infiltrate your life and try to get you to believe something other than what God has said. Let me say this, and let me say it like this. For every promise, for every principle, and for every prophecy that is ever given to any man, in order for it to come to pass, there is a faith process necessary. I don't care. You can go to church and someone can have you to stand up. They don't even have to know you. They can call out your name and they can say, hey, the Lord said you're going to be a millionaire. Or they say the Lord said you're going to get married in a year. Or they say the Lord says you're going to own your own business. As great and true as all of those prophecies may be, if you don't walk out the process, you will never see it come to pass in your life. Watch this. If someone says to you, I believe you're going to be married in a year and you say, oh, great, I want to be married in a year. But every time somebody asks you out, you say no, you won't be married in a year. You will not be married. If, if 50 people ask you and 50 times you say no, your faith is not agreeing with the process. So no promise, no prophecy, nothing given to you is ever going to come to pass in your life if you don't get involved with faith. Amen. And so you'll hear me say that a lot of times over the next three weeks, and that is that for every promise and for every principle and for every prophecy that is given, there is a faith process necessary to bring it to pass. Say this. Say, I must learn to live by faith. You must learn to live by faith. If you don't learn to live by faith, everything in your life is subject to chance. If you don't learn to live by faith, everything in your life is subject to chance. And the Bible never, ever told us we were supposed to live our life by chance. here's, Here's how you know God is not a God of chance. How many of you know that when you wake up in the morning, it's daytime? How many of you know that when you go to bed at night, it's night? How many of you know that the sun goes up in the morning and the moon comes up at night? How many of you know that the seasons, you, you can set your calendar by it, that the seasons change? How do we know when the next equinox is going to be? Because God is a God of order. God is not a God of chance and circumstance. We don't wake up one day and it's summertime and the next day it's winter. God doesn't operate that way in his seasons. So if he doesn't operate that way in his season, he's never intended for us to operate that way in our life. It's not supposed to be. I wake up one day and God, and I got to do this certain thing and I get this certain result, but the next day I do the exact same thing and I don't get a different result. How many know that when you push the accelerator on your car, you expect it to go? And how many know when you hit the brake, you expect it to? Every time. If you got a guess at every light, wouldn't that be panic? Wouldn't that be panic, you trying to decide which one you're going to hit this time and what's going to happen? God is not a God of circumstance and chance. God is a God of order. God is a God of principle. And so God says, here is what I'm going to do. I'm going to set in order all the promises, all the principles, and all the prophecies. And here is how you get to obtain them. It is through the walk of faith. And so every promise, every principle, and every prophecy that is ever given, there is a faith process necessary to bring it to pass. In fact, I want you to see this in Scripture. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. And what you may want to do is, because I, I go a little faster, we got a lot of things even in the foundation to cover. I'm going to give you the scripture, and if you want to write it down, uh, then you can go back and plug in the actual words and stuff later. Sometimes, and I, and I say this to people, um, sometimes you just have to catch some things. You know, it, it's great to, 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 to hear it. Uh, it's great to write it down, but sometimes you're, you're, you just need to catch some things. And so uh, I don't want to slow down so much that, that I don't allow you to catch the very things the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. So, I, so some of the scriptures we're going to read, some of them I'm just going to mention to you. Um, one of the things I'm willing to do is my, my notes aren't private. I'll share with you my notes if you want them at the end of service because I believe that this ought to be a learning process. Amen? So if you're, if you're like, oh, my God, am I going to get all this, just sit back and relax. Misty going to get most of it, and what she don't get, I'll send you the notes. Amen? I'll send you the notes. So, so, so sit back and relax and just hear it. Yeah, Pastor John said you can't ask for her notes. She said she don't do like that. But you can ask for my notes. I've I, I got notes, amen? So let's go. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. Galatians chapter 3 shows us a universal principle. It's the universal principle that everything God has available for us must be obtained through faith. Say everything. That I receive from god must come through faith the bible says in galatians three thirteen through 14 it says christ and that word christ there i want you to understand is is not just Jesus' last name you know my name is edwin strickland but his name was not jesus christ his name was jesus he was from nazareth he is the christ and the reason that's important is because when it says christ has redeemed us that word christ means the anointed one or it also means the one who carries the anointing with him. So he said, the man who is anointed or the one who has the authority to do this has redeemed you from the curse of the law. So it's not just Christ like it's his last name. It says the anointed one, the one who was sent from heaven to get you out of what what Adam got you into is here. And he has redeemed you or he has ransomed you. He has bought you back. He's paid the price for you. And it says he's he's gotten you from the curse of the law. Now, the curse of the law is important because prior to Jesus, the only way that you and I could be righteous was to do everything right. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. You would have blew it about 930 yeah 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 about 9 30 this morning you wouldn't have been righteous anymore if that was the case but but praise God we don't have to depend on our own selves to be righteous amen yeah 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 Cause when somebody cut you off on 49 you'd have lost it you'd have lost it so so it's important for you to understand that this scripture is powerful because it says Christ the anointed one who carries with him the anointing has redeemed us or ransomed us from the curse of the law meaning I don't have to do everything right anymore in order to be righteous it's It says, being made a curse for us. In other words, I was cursed, but now Jesus came and switched places with me. It says, for it is written, cursed, that word cursed there means empowered to fail. Because the word "bless" means what? Empowered to prosper. So if blessed is empowered to prosper, then cursed means empowered to fail. So he says, empowered to fail is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Or empowered to fail is everyone that's crucified. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I wasn't crucified. That's right. He says, now watch this. He says that Jesus came, and what Jesus did is he paid the price for you and I so that you and I would no longer be cursed, but we would be blessed. Say, I am blessed. Say it again. Say, I am blessed. Now say it like you mean it. Say, I am blessed. I want you to understand that you're blessed because Jesus switched places with you. He says, I'm going to take the I'm going to take the, the, the punishment of sin. I'm going to be cursed so that you can be blessed because only people who are blessed can walk in faith. On, he says, only people who are blessed can walk in faith. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to change positions with you. I'm going to become cursed so you can be blessed. And watch this. He says, then I'm going to make it so it's not even based on what you do. He says, not only am I going to switch places with you, but I'm going to switch places and then I'm going to take the responsibility of being perfect away from you. He says, so you have been blessed. We have been redeemed from the curse. Verse 14 says, so that blessings, the empowerment to of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Say, that's me. Wave your hand. Say, that's me. That's me. He says, so that the, come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, the anointed one in his anointing, that we might receive, watch this, the promise of the Spirit. Okay? I said, for every promise, for every principle, and for every prophecy, there is a what? Faith process. He says, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. How? Through faith. So it's a universal principle that has been established that if you're going to get anything from God, the mechanism in which it comes is through what? Faith. It comes through faith. Now this ties in so good with what Pastor Valley taught us two weeks ago in that Breaking Free series because what he did say, and I want to repeat it, he said, man is a tripartite being. Man is a spirit. Say, he is a spirit. spirit. He, man has a soul. Say, he has a soul. he has a soul. And it is housed in a body. Say, it's in the body. But what Minister Valley said was, he says, once you, make the re- once you make the decision that you believe God, he says, your spirit, man, is taken care of. Amen? Yeah. He, said, he said, that's the part of you that is saved. He said, but then this old soulish man, which consists of our what? Let's talk about it. our mind, will, emotions, our imagination, and our intellect. So I says, why does he say that every time? Because you need to know that. Because that's who you are. That is how the enemy has access to your life. In fact, say this. Say, the only way the, only way the enemy, the enemy has, access has access to my life, to my life is, through is through my soul. My soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Somebody cut you off in traffic. The only way that ruins your day is because you, th- you let it in your, in your soul. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Your, your spirit man ain't bothered by somebody cutting it off. Your body don't care. It's just along for the ride. <laughs> the only reason why you have a bad day is because of how you respond to it in your soul. You're so, listen, I'm telling you, and, and churches better get this. Once you've preached the message of salvation, and you got a church full of folk who saved, you don't need to be talking about salvation anymore. What you need to be talking about is personal development. Because people need to be developed in their souls. It is their souls that's messing them up. It's their souls that's... Tri- people don't get divorced because of their spirit. You don't overeat because of your spirit. You don't get mad and cuss somebody out because of your spirit. (laughs) i was like, what are you talking about cuss? You know what I'm talking about. Why? Everything happens for a man in his soul, his mind, his will, his emotions, his imagination, and his intellect. The only reason why you think folk don't like you when you walk up in a group of people is because of what your soul tells you. I got people, people I work, I work with, with, with educators, people who got degrees and are really smart, and you can be sitting around talking about something, and they'll walk up, and, and let me help you. It is natural that if you walk up in a group of people, they stop to see what you're doing. That don't mean they are talking about you. It don't, it don't. I'm going to get back to faith, but I want to help you. That, that don't mean they talk. If, if I'm talking to my wife and you walk up, I'm going to stop and look and be like, huh? And if you want to join a conversation, join the conversation. But don't have no pity party about how we stopped talking when you came up and now nobody likes you. <laughs> yeah. Tell your neighbor, say, that happens because of injury in your soul. That's why it happens. Because sometimes, because one time it did happen. huh? You know, oh, no, they they who's talking about you? They were, they were. Mm-hmm. It really, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It really did happen. You walked up, they was talking about you, and they stopped. Mm -hmm. That is true. But every situation is not the same. And that's why you have to work on your soul. Why? Because that's where the enemy has access to you. The enemy will say to you, well, things work for Pastor Sean, but they won't work for you. And so then Pastor Sean will get to teaching. She'll get to encouraging you and telling you something. And the whole time, you're like, yeah, that works for her, but that don't work for me because I tried that before, and then that didn't work out. That's in your soul. But how many of you know the Bible says in Acts 10.35 that God is no respecter of persons. And if God is no respecter of persons, watch this, if he'll do it for Sean, he'll do it for you. No, no, you ought to clap on that. It it, it ain't just about Pastor Sean or Pastor Edwin or Pastor Dollar or Pastor whoever you think is famous. The same thing God does in their life, God will do for you. Because God is no respecter of persons, Amen. And so Pastor Valley began to talk about that. And so I want you to see this, and and I want you to see that he wasn't just making this up. Go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 through verse 23. And I'm just going to read it, and I'm going to talk through the scripture, and you can write it down, and you can follow along. But I want you to see this. Say this. Say, I am am redeemed. redeemed. Uh Uh-uh. Say that like you mean it. Say, I am am redeemed. redeemed. Because see, this ain't about. Me preaching, this is about us taking a journey, That's right. and sometimes I'm going to make you talk more than you want to talk because I need you to hear yourself saying what is true. That's true. Say, I am, I am redeemed. First Peter 1, First Peter chapter 1, verse 18, and we're going to start and go through verse 23. It says, For you know, watch this, that God paid a ransom. To save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. How many of you know that God paid the price? Say, God has has. Paid 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 the price. He paid the price because he gave us Jesus and Jesus ransomed us. He bought us back. We just read that in Galatians. He says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold and silver, which eventually lose their value." Verse 19 says, it was the precious blood of Christ, the anointed one who carries the anointing. It was the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world ever began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Now watch this. He said, and when he wrote this, how many know that Christ is always being revealed? He's, there, there are new people who are getting saved. But even you as a believer, if you choose to grow, Jesus is going to reveal more of himself to you every single day. I I happen to follow Misty on Facebook, and so she's reading the book of Genesis. And every day she's posting about the chapter that she's reading. When she's reading that chapter, Jesus is being revealed to her. So anytime you listen to Word, anytime you have a discussion with somebody else about the Word, anytime you spend time praying and hearing and talking to God, Jesus is being revealed to you. Amen? So the Bible says it's for our sake, say for my sake, that Jesus is being revealed. Why? Because when Jesus is revealed to you, you learn to walk in faith. And the only way to obtain any promise, the only way to obtain any principle, the only way to obtain any prophecy is through what? Faith. Amen? Verse 21 says, through Christ you have come to trust in God. That's how we... know that god doesn't lie because why would a good god lie if after giving us jesus that's that's what that's what verse 21 says i I have a different translation what does your translation say in verse 21 it's the same thing though what does it say uh-huh, that's the same thing, same thing. Now, listen, I use different translations, okay, but we're going to a, I don't. I don't, use, I don't use translations about these and those and that's and all that. Why? Because I don't get all that. What I do know, what I do know is that when it says you trust in God, I know what that means. Yeah. So I find me a translation that says trust in God, amen? <laughs> so verse 21 says, through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now, now think about that. How you say, God, I love you. Thank you for Jesus. He says, okay, I need you to go left. You go, oh, I don't know about going left. Wait a minute. The same God who you praise for Jesus, you now won't trust him with your life? That doesn't make any sense at all. God, who didn't have to do anything if he didn't want to, gave his only begotten son so that he could die for us, switch places with us, become cursed so we could be blessed, so we could walk in faith to get the promises that he made available. Why would we not trust him? When you break it down and begin to think about it, why would we not trust God? Verse 22 says, you were cleansed, watch this, from your sins when you obeyed the truth. What was the truth? The truth he's talking about here is when the Bible says, if any man believes with his heart and confess with his mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, he shall be saved. He said, when you believe that, you got cleansed from your sins. He said, when you made the decision that Jesus was Lord, literally all your wrong was done away with. Take your neighbor, say, you never. Have to work for righteousness. I wish I could get you to understand. See, some of you think you can't walk in faith because you're trying to work for your righteousness. You don't think you deserve what it is that God has made available. It's like, it would be like one of my kids making a mistake. And instead of saying, and I'll use a prime example. Let's say they ask they want to go to the mall. Okay, They want to go to the mall. They want to go buy something. Okay, And right now, we're in good standing. Okay, But I ride home, and I get home, and I see the trash wasn't taken out. And I said, wait a minute, who's supposed to take the trash out, okay? And they both look at each other and point at each other just like they did right there. See, his fault, his fault, okay? But the issue is nobody took that trash out. So now they were going to go to the mall, but if they assume that I'm not going to take them because of a mistake on their part, they miss out on what was still available. And as believers, we do the same thing. Because we're trying to live in our own righteousness. Instead of saying, I blew it, but Daddy still loves me, I'm still entitled to the thing he promised. I just need to fix this because it needs to be fixed, but not because he's loving me based on that. And when you learn to live like that, walking in faith becomes easy. But the problem is, is the church has taught us over over years and, and, and through generations that if you don't get it right, you ain't worthy. If you mess up, then you deserve what you get. That was your fault. You should have known better. You should have did better. And as a result, you didn't. So now, how do you think God going to bless you? Because his word says so. Because his word says so. I think he's going to bless me because his word says so. Listen, if God didn't want to bless me because of mistakes, he never had to make me a promise in the first place because he knew I was going to blow it. No, no, really. I mean, I mean, He, he knew that. he knew me he knew I was going to blow it so he didn't have to make me a promise that did he know he wasn't going to have to keep that did not make sense that's like me telling telling past Sean, well if you are going to be six six i'll pay the mortgage what she ain't going to be six six <laughs> why make a promise that, that, that's how dumb that sounds why, and I, why make a promise when you know it's not going to be kept so he never did that he never made promises based on our ability to live a certain way he just didn't and i know that goes counterintuitive church culture but watch this God loves us in spite of God say that say God loves me in spite of all my shortcomings you ought to give God some praise for that now I'm still in first Peter in verse 22 He says, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. He says, love each other deeply with all of your heart, for you have been born again. He says, but not to a life that will quickly end, not of corruptible seed, but rather of incorruptible seed by the power of the word, which lives and abides forever. That's talking about your spirit man. He says, you, your spirit man has been taken care of. He's been born again, not of something that's going to rot, not of corruptible seed. It says the precious blood of Jesus saved you. And as a result, you have been born again, and that part of you is going to live forever. Say, I am am saved. saved. Don't be afraid. Say, "I I am saved. You are saved. If you have come into relationship with Jesus Christ, you are saved. And whether yours was through some big event at some big conference where you fell on the floor and laid out or you was just sitting at your home watching football and said, Lord, I believe you are Lord of my life. However, you came into relationship, that part of you is taken care of forever. So I'm not gonna spend time preaching to you about sin. I believe if I preach to you about the love of God, He'll take care of any sin in your life by dealing by talking to you, letting you deal with it. Cause people have a cue. They say, "Well, y'all, 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 talk a lot about the soul, Ram. Y'all don't talk enough about sin. Why do you talk about sin? The folk who's supposed to be saved all the time, anyway. You got a church. We got we know pastors who everybody in their church say they spend all their time talking about sin but then people can't live victorious. Why? Because they focused on sin. So we want to focus on living victorious. And the way you do that is through faith. faith. Amen. Let's look at Mark chapter 11. If you don't get anything out of this message, here's where we're going to park our car. uh, These next three uh, messages, Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 23 through 24. Is this making sense? Mark chapter 11, verse 23 to 24 says this. It says, For verily I say unto you, that, what's, that, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, watch this, and shall not doubt in his heart. If you've got a hard copy of your Bible, you ought to mark in it. It says, And shall not doubt in his heart. This is going to be key. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have, Whatsoever he said, verse 24 says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, it's small enough in here. Somebody tell me what I just read. Somebody in your in your terms. Tell me what that means. Come on. Come on. Tell me what it means. That you can have it. When? Now. That's what faith is. Faith is now. Say that. Say faith, faith. is Now, I don't pray and ask God for something, and then when I see it manifest in a natural, go, oh, I got it. No, no, no. You get it when you what? Pray for it, when you believe for it. So so let's go back, because I don't want you to miss this. If you don't get anything, get this scripture. It is the foundation for how you're going to have to learn to live, to walk by faith. He says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever, say, I am part part of of the whosoever. He says, so whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea. But what has to happen? You cannot what? Doubt in your what? Heart. You cannot doubt in your heart. He says, but you got to do what? Believe that those things which who say? You say shall do what? Come to pass. He says, and if you believe it, you shall have whatsoever you say. Amen? So here's the problem. Because faith happens and faith works in the soul realm. How many of you have ever been disappointed about anything? Just raise your hand and put it back down real quick, okay? So all of us in here probably at some point has had some disappointment. So as a result, we tend to do things that cause us to to stay away from pain, hurt, and disappointment. It's human nature. Anybody ever touch a hot stove? Okay, How many of you know the next thing you want to do was not to touch another hot stove? Because human nature is to move away from anything that causes it pain, distress, anguish, or disappointment. So as a result, the enemy uses your past experiences to get you not to participate in current opportunities. The, literally, what the devil does is he uses your past experiences, okay, your pains, your disappointments, things that have hurt you. He, because all that's in your soul realm. He uses that to allow you to remember those things so that you will use your past disappointments not to participate in current opportunities. It, it's, it's, it's like anybody ever apply for a job? and you did the first interview, the second interview, maybe even the third one, and you just knew that was your job, and, and, and then a couple days went by, and you didn't hear from them. you thought, well, what's going on? And, and, and then you got one of, them little, one of them little thin letters in the mail. <laughs> let, let, let me just help you. If it's a thin letter, you ain't even got to open it. <laughs> if, 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 it's a, if it's literally an eight and a half by 11 in an envelope, and it's a, you ain't even got to open it. You ain't get a job. You, you didn't get it. Anybody ever got one of those? I got some of those. I, yeah, you have 2 You shame. But don't be shame. We all got them for four. If you don't apply for more than one job, you don't got them. Amen. Now, what happens is this though. If you decide the next time you see a job you want to apply for, that you allow that past experience of how you got dressed up and you wouldn't charge you a new outfit for that interview. I, listen, I've been there. You done, got, you done paid to have your shoes shine. You got your power tie on, and you went in there for that interview, and you didn't get it. If you say, well, ain't no sense in applying for it. They ain't going to hire me anyway. And then if you fall into self, self, self-abasement self, uh, thinking, well, you say, well, they didn't hire me because I was black. Maybe they didn't hire you because you weren't qualified, or not the best qualified. Well, they didn't hire me because I was a woman. Maybe they didn't hire you because you weren't the best qualified. You can't allow those paths. Now, maybe that stuff is true. Maybe it's true. Maybe they didn't hire you because you was black. Maybe they didn't hire you because you was a woman. Maybe they didn't hire you because they didn't like the shirt you had on. Who knows why HR directors don't hire you, okay? But what I do know is that if you allow that past experience to be your reality, you will be stuck in the current job you currently have. You will be unhappy, and you will be stuck because you will use past experiences to limit you from current opportunities, amen? So look at what James says. James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. It's critical. Why? Because what am I doing? I'm literally just trying to, to dig up. We ain't even really going to get into faith so much today. I'm trying to dig up the ground so you understand where faith comes from. I want you to understand how it works because I'm telling you the devil has been extreme. People say, oh, the devil ain't nothing. Listen, he's extremely cunning. Now, he's nothing compared to God, but he's, he's extremely cunning, and he studies you. He, study- he knows what buttons to push on you. Listen. There are people who all the devil has to do to get them from receiving something that they need, especially church-related, is to cause some crisis to come up in their life. There are people, I guarantee you, who had planned to be here this morning, but they had some crisis between 8 o'clock last night and 9.30 this morning, and they allowed that crisis to stop them from coming out. Because the devil knows what he... Now, now, if that's not your issue, that's not what he does. But there are people, the devil knows, all I got to do is let them call three times. Uh-huh, they'll stay home. <laughs> no, I'm serious. He, and if you don't understand that the devil knows that about you, you'll just think you're doing something. But really, you're being controlled and manipulated. Oh, that's good. That's good. The devil will absolutely control and manipulate you. The devil knew that I never ever, ever wanted to preach if me and Pastor Sean wasn't in good graces. So when we would year, say so years ago, years ago, because you know folk, folk will leave. They'll be like oh, Pastor Edward didn't want to preach because him and Pastor Sean were fussing. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Years ago, years ago. When we was attending St. James Baptist Church years ago, we, we only had one kid at the time. Amen? And I, you know, just one kid at the time. But, but any time I was going to minister, we got into it that Sunday morning. And it wasn't until literally that I understood what the devil was doing that we were able to fix that. Now, originally the way we fixed it is we didn't talk on Sunday morning. <laughs> and watch this. Sometimes you have to do what you know to do to fix the problem until you get some growth. But we knew that what we were doing wasn't working. We knew that we had to fix it some way. And so then once we got more mature and we learned, we was like, you know what? We are, then we start saying to each other, we are not each other's enemies. I am not your enemy. You're not my enemy. So there's no sense in us to do this because we know that all that's happening is the devil is using the very thing between us that's going to stop us from being a blessing to somebody else and each other. And so you have to learn that there are certain things the devil's going to do because he wants you to be what the Bible's going to call double-minded. The, he, he, he wants you to have, see, watch this. He, once you get saved, the devil can't He can't unsave you. He came as raggedy as you could live, and you shouldn't live raggedy. But you could live raggedy, but that didn't have anything to do with your salvation once you're saved. Now people go, oh, wait a minute. Yes, it does. you got to be. No, no, no. Because if you've got to be a little perfect, then you got to be a lot perfect. And if you got to be a lot perfect, you've got to be super perfect. So what is the perfect to get you there? Jesus said, we're going to do away with all that stuff, and I'm just going to cleanse you forever. And then you're going to be right. But now you're going to have to do some work on this soul part of you. Or you're going to live raggedy I'll Tell your neighbor and say, you shouldn't you should choose, choose to, live to live raggedy. Right. You shouldn't choose to live raggedy. Okay. But we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about being able to walk in faith. So notice James chapter 1, verse 2. You got it? Say amen. The Bible says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations. Now, most people are like, hold on a minute. Time out. Because I was with you past that first. But now you're talking about I'm supposed to be happy when things go bad? Now, now that's not exactly what he's saying. Watch what he says. He says, brethren, he says, to count it as joy. He didn't say be joyful. He says, count it as joy when you fall into diverse temptations or when you have trials or when you have tests or you have temptations that come to make you think what God said is not going to come to pass. He says, count it as joy. Why should I count it as joy? Verse 3. He says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh what? Now, let me help you. This word patience here. This word patience here is not the kind of patience you and I may think of when we're sitting in the doctor's office. And you got that little kid who's running all around and touching stuff and knocking stuff over and, the, and touching you and wiping his little grubbing hands on you. And the parents won't say nothing to him. And you doing all you can not to grab him by his neck. Not that kind of patience. Yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not that kind of patience. This particular word patience here is the word consistency. Okay. He says, he says, watch this. He says, when bad, you know, when things happen, okay, you, 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 was, you were saving up money and, and, and you was going to do whatever you was going to do with it and, and your refrigerator went out, okay? And, and, and you like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this. And you feel like cussing, okay? He says, count it joy. Don't cuss. Count it as joy. And just know this. That that trial or that temptation or that test, what it's doing is it's really working on you to get you to prove out what's really in you. Now, now why is that important? Because if I had a good attitude, watch this, it's going to get you. If I had a good attitude before the refrigerator went out, then even though the refrigerator went out, I should still have a... Yeah, yeah. See, see, it, 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 and you notice know this happen. Married couple stuff happens, okay? Ain't nobody fault, right? But who takes the brunt of it? The other person, if you're not careful. So the Bible says, be careful. He says, when when bad things happen and it comes to to to, to strip away your faith, he says, don't let it do it. Be consistent. Be consistent. Okay? Don't don't be don't be yelling at your kids. Don't be yelling at your spouse. Don't be having a bad attitude. Be the person you've always been, even when bad things happen. Woo. So Woo. You, see, see, faith ain't always about what you can get. Amen. Oh, amen. See, people teach faith about, hey, I believe I receive a new car. I believe I receive a new house. I believe I receive a job. That's good. But faith is who are you when the times are good and bad? Faith, because how many of you know Jesus doesn't waver based on our attitudes? Oh, somebody ought to give God some praise. Th- thank God he doesn't ju- he ain't mad with me because I got a bad attitude and he ain't happy with me when I'm happy. He's just always loving me, amen? He says so faith is not just about what you can get, it's about the fact that faith, if you have it, is going to have to be tested in order for it to grow up. He says, knowing this, that the trying or the testing of your faith worketh patience. Verse 4 says, but let patience, what's another word for patience? So let, what's another word for patience? Consistency. It says, let consistency have her what? Perfect. perfect work. Why? That you may be what? Perfect. Or oh, that word perfect there means whole, whole and entire what? Want for nothing. That means when times are good, you good. When times are bad, you good. When, 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 when it's winter, you good. When it's summer, you good. Why? Because your faith is always connecting you to the promise and it's not dependent on something external. That's what faith looks like. Verse 5 says, if, but notice this, because verse 5 says, if any of you lack what? Wisdom. Now, this is important because if you, he's, I'm going to go back to my refrigerator example. So, let's say the refrigerator goes out. Let's say you were saving your money. And you was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Now I got to take this money. I got to buy this refrigerator. See, it can instantaneously change your whole attitude. Come on. Especially if you were using that money to save up to buy some new shoes because the kids keep growing out on me every five months. Hey. <laughs> so you're like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? He says, don't panic because if you panic, you'll make a decision that may not be what God wanted you to do. That's good. That's good. Watch That's this. Good there have been times that we have had the money to do a particular thing but we hit the pause button and said God what do you want us to do and God has told us don't you do nothing I've already taken care of it and a day or two later somebody will come by and give us the exact amount of money that we needed to do what we were going to do and never have to use our own resources because when you walk in faith God already knows what he's going to do God already knows how he's going to work it out. God already knows. So you can't allow, you can't allow some, some situation to come. Know that that situation comes because it's designed to develop consistency in you. What is the consistency? I ask God whether I got the money or whether I don't have the money. That's the consistency. I always go to God. I always ask God first. I do it the way God says. I obey God. That's the consistency It's trying to build up. Now watch this. Verse 5 says, but if any of you lack wisdom. That means if you don't have an answer about any situation. It says, let him do what? Ask God. Why? Because God giveth to all men. That's men and women. How? Liberally. And what? Unabraideth not. And it shall be given him. He says, if you will ask God, God won't withhold anything from you. There's a question in the Old Testament. They asked the question. They said, is there anything... Too hard for God. How many know the response is there is nothing too hard for God? So no matter what's going on in your life, if you don't have the answer, it's not because the answer is not there. It's because you are not asking God for the answer. Now, we live in northwest Arkansas. If we were to take all of our degrees together, we could wallpaper this wall with it. We got lots of degrees. We got lots of intellect. We matriculated through universities. But how many of you know that no matter how smart you are in your life, there'll be a situation that you don't have the answer for? That's right. That's right. And watch this. If you get into the habit of always figuring it out on your own, that will become your default process. Come on. That's good. If you always got the answer, you always quit to figure it out, you always know how to make it work, you always get your hustle on, you always get it done, that will become your default. And then what happens is, is you'll find yourself trying to use your own intellect to solve a problem that was above your pay grade. Because you won't have the information for it. You won't have the the know-how or the wherewithal. But if you practice asking God everything, it will become your default process. And in your default process, asking God always lends to you walking in faith. Amen. Why is that important? Because in verse 6 he says this. He says, when you ask God, ask him in what? Faith. How, How do we know we're in faith? Because when we ask, nothing will be wavering. He says, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. In other words, he says, if you ask God, but you got doubt in your heart, you open yourself up to hearing not only God, but everything that doubt brings. So, so, so when people say to me, well, I don't know if it's God or if it's the devil, it's a clear indication that there's doubt and unbelief there. Because watch this. If Sean says, Chase, come here, and I say, Chase, come here, it's no doubt in his mind who called him. He is proficient at hearing both voices. Say, La. If you get proficient at hearing the voice of God, it will sound so distinctively different from the voice of the devil. It will say, so, so you will not, you will not, hear me, you will not struggle knowing who's talking to you. You only struggle when you don't recognize the voices. It's like somebody call you on the phone and you, and you ain't talked to them in a while. And they're like, hey man, how you doing? You're like, oh, I'm doing good. And you're thinking, man, who the... And they're like, what you been up to? And you're like, oh, not much. What about you? Where you you been, man? You you still still working there? Why? Because you're trying to figure out who is it on the other end of that phone. I I mean, I I admit it. I'm I'm like, who is this? But when my wife calls me, I have no problem. I don't have to even look at the call ID. When she says strict, I know exactly who she is. Why? Because I have become extremely proficient. At hearing her voice and faith will allow you to become proficient at hearing the voice of God that's why faith is important it will allow you to become proficient verse 6 says but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed with, with, with like the wind he says if you don't learn to ask God in faith and know that God is going to give you an answer then you'll just be tossed to and fro with every answer that comes Here's, here's why, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to verse 7. Just hold on. But here is why that Pastor Shun and I use this phrase. We say all the time, once we have consulted God, we can fare no longer with flesh and blood. Now, why do we say that? Because once I get a word from God, unless what you are saying to me is what God said, it can only convolute everything. So once I know what the Father has said to me, I love you, but it really don't matter. No, no, really. It really don't matter. Why? Because there are well-meaning people, well-meaning people, who will try to give you information. And if you're not careful because of how much you love and care about them, you will weight their opinion of of that of God and not even realize it. You won't even realize it. You won't even realize that you got a word from God because you will take so much weight on what you're what your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend or best friend or or mother or father has said to you. But when you have heard God, that is the reason that as pastors, hear me, I don't want to be your voice. I don't want to be your voice. There are pastors who want to be your voice, and that's okay. But if you want that, you won't get that here. You ask anybody who's known me for any length of time. When you come and you ask me a question, I have one question did that I'm going to God always ask you first. And that question is. What did, what did I I say? That, I don't care. Pastor, I think care. I want to get some new shoes. What did God say? <laughs> God said, don't buy them. Don't buy them. <laughs> because I can't go against God. Now, if you come and you say, Pastor, I don't know what the Lord said. Well, now we can have a conversation and I can guide you into what you think God said. But if you come and you tell me God said, I ain't got nothing else to say. Why? Because it's important for you as an individual to hear the voice of God. God does not just talk to men. He does not just talk to women. He does not just talk to folk who've been saved 10 years. God talks to every one of us just like any normal parent would talk to all their kids. And so God talks to us. And because God talks to us, you need to hear him. So my job as a pastor, okay, is to help give you foundation to put you in the right direction to hear God. Okay, my job is not to keep you as a baby forever, always making every decision for you. I want you to be able to do for other people what I'm doing for you. Yeah. Take your neighbor, say the only, way. the only way you multiply the kingdom, multiply the kingdom is, that is that you grow up, grow up and, disciple and disciple somebody else. Somebody else. Amen. Somebody. Amen. Amen. That's the only way you grow the kingdom. You don't get to come up and be in church and be the, be the apostle or the pastor or the evangelist and teacher. And, and you got all the word for everybody. Everybody needs to hear God for themselves. Amen. And watch this. Here's why that doesn't bother me. Because if we are all truly hearing God, we ain't hearing a bunch of crazy stuff. God ain't going to tell me to love my wife and tell another dude he can cheat on his. That ain't God. That ain't God. And and God's not going to say anything apart from his word. So if we all get into the word and know what the word says, we'll know when God is talking and when somebody else is talking. Amen? Amen. All right, verse 7, let's go. It says, for let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Why? Verse 8, for a double-minded man is what? How? In all of his ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. I want to be mad. I don't want to be mad. I'm depressed. I'm happy. I'm fat. I'm skinny. (laughs) A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Listen, I tell people all the time, if you don't like the way you look, that's fine. Do something about it and change it. But if you're okay with it, that's fine, too. But don't be one of these people who always looking in the mirror, hating yourself, but then not doing anything to change it. Why, because it puts you in a state of being what? Double-minded. Double-minded. You're just double-minded. You, you know, you can't, you can't in, your, in, in, your, in, your, in your life be like, you know what, I believe God's gonna repair our marriage. But then the moment you get mad, the first thing you say is, I just want a divorce. That's right, when, come when, when we were at our worst of times, we made a decision and pastor sean told you about three four weeks ago that a decision means that you have to cut off choices we made a decision that divorce was not an option so that only gave us two choices we could be together and be miserable or we could be together and be happy i told her, i said you can leave me if you want to but wherever you go i'm going too." Move away if you want to. I'm find me a place right where you live. Be right there. Mm-hmm. You get you in a apartment, i will be right downstairs. So we might as well just learn to be happy. Right? And so when you make a decision, then you can make things different. So how does a man become double-minded? Okay? The Bible asks this question. Okay? Are y'all good? The Bible asks this question in James 3, 10 through 12. Here's what it says. James chapter 3, verse 10 through 12. It says, out of the same mouth come forth blessings and cursings. These things, my brethren, ought not be so. Notice this. He says, out of the same mouth comes a blessing, and then turn around and come a curse." He says, these things, my brethren, ought not be so. Verse 11 says, does a fountain send forth simultaneously from the same opening, fresh water, and bitter water? Verse 12 says, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, and can a grapevine bear figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. He says the reason that a person becomes double-minded is because they are not singular about what comes into their heart. Because you are drinking from two fountains, and therefore what comes out of you is two different things. Don't get mad at me. But let me just say this, and I want you to hear me because some of you follow me on Facebook and that's cool, I have no problem with people watching television, okay I ain't one of them preachers who'd be like everybody to put, look on Thursday night, please don't interrupt us <laughs> <laughs> follow me on Facebook, talk to me there but do not ring my phone, okay why, because we're going to watch Scandal, okay and then we're going to watch that next one, How to Get Away with Murder, Huh? we're going to watch it, mm-hmm, we are, yes sir, thank you Lord, we are, now <laughs> what's gonna happen (laughs) is when we get through watching that we're not gonna spend two hours doing that and not have spent two hours in the Word what happens for most people is your life becomes those two hours but then you do that on Friday too you do it on Saturday you go to sleep with BET on you do it on Monday on Tuesday what you listen to is ratchet what you watch is ratchet the only video you watch is somebody doing some ratchet you don't engage in anything intellectual. You don't engage in anything that will build up your thinking processes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what happens is junk in, junk out. Good in. So you got to make sure that as an individual, you spending time putting the good in. Ain't nothing wrong with having fun. Ain't nothing wrong with watching. I mean, you, you have to govern yourself. I always feel like this. If it's something the Lord don't want me to watch on TV, he'll tell me. Uh, No, thank you. I don't need you to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Lord will tell me. Mm -hmm. And and that's what has to happen. You can't even get to the place where you let everybody else tell you what you can and can't watch. Let me me get back to faith. How how does a man become double minded? A man becomes double minded because fear creeps into his heart. Doubt and unbelief creeps into it. You get to watching the news, and they start talking about gas prices. They start talking about troops going back to Iraq. They start talking about how the Republicans done one. They start talking about how they're going to cut Medicaid. They start talking about how they're going to cut Medicare. And then they had a thing the other day that said, how many of y'all want to get rid of Obamacare? Everybody said, yeah. They said, well, what about the Affordable Care Act? Yeah, we're for that. (laughs) (laughs) Uninformed. I'm telling you, we're living in a place that if you just watch the news, you can be terrified about what's going on. Oh, my God, the job, they, say, they say people can't find jobs. Oh, my gosh, gay marriage is being allowed. Oh, my God, this is happening. That's happening. They took prayer out of school. Oh, my God, Common Core is coming. I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff. And so people just start getting panicked about all this stuff. But the word of God is still the same. The word of God is still the same. And if you put your trust in the word of God, it will not change. Amen. The Bible says that the reason that fear comes into our life is because in Galatians 5 and 9, it says this, a little leaven, levieth what? The whole lump. Or it's like this, a little yeast will make the whole cake rise. And so if you're not careful, you'll let a little fear come into your life and don't believe anybody who tells you that a little fear is good. A little fear is not good. It's not. Because fear in one area of your life will translate into other areas of your life. If you have fear about not having enough money, it'll have an effect on your marriage. It'll have an effect on how you deal with your kids. It'll have an effect on how you like or dislike your job. I talk to people all the time who actually like their job. They just don't like the wages that they're making. And so if you focus on that all the time, you'll end up not liking the job you used to like. Why? Because a little leaven does what? it the whole lump. In fact, the, the, the phrase, and I want you to think about this, the, the phrase, fear not. Or the phrase, do not fear, appears over 360 times in the Bible. Now, if it wasn't important for us not to fear, why do you think it'd be in the Bible that many times? Because God understands what happens when a man gets in fear. When a man gets in fear, he's controlled by fear. Listen, any of of you ever watched a scary movie... And, and, and the whole time you're screaming, don't open that door. Don't open that door. Because you know if you open the door, you're going to get your head cut off. You're like, don't do it. Don't do it. And they'll open up the door, and they'll see somebody, and they'll just fall down. And you're like, get up. Run, stupid. Get up. Go. And you're screaming at the screen, right? Why, do, why in the world will somebody just fall down when somebody's chasing them? Fear. Fear paralyzes you. Fear paralyzes you. Why, watch a video. And, I, and I, I do like the snowman video. I admit but watch the video where the snowman is standing there and people walk by and he go, Boo! And he scared people. Uh, you, you, they're, they're rea- <laughs> their reactions are priceless. It's, price- it's, 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 it's priceless. Most of them, they do. Most of them fall in. They be walking in. Like, oh, they just fall in. Why? Because fear has the ability to paralyze you. So 360 different times somebody is saying to somebody, fear not. Don't fear. Why? Because if you do, if you let fear come in, faith goes out. Watch this. Proverbs 4.23. Just write this down. Proverbs 4.23. I'm going to let you go. Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, uh, I'm reading out a different translation. It says, above all else, guard and keep your heart with all vigilance. For out of it, your heart flows, what? The issues of what? Life. For it determines, one translation says, indeed, the course of your life. He says, so you got to guard your heart. you gotta, you got to watch. Seriously, you got to watch what you put in there. you got to watch who you hang around. I don't hang around people who got bad marriages. Amen. Not unless it's for the purpose of ministry. And then when I'm done, I go back to the people who got happy marriages. Because wherever you hang around is what you're going to become. In fact, it's like, it's, it's, there's a saying that says like this, it says, show me your 10 closest friends, I can show you your life. Why? Because wh- whoever you spend the most time around, whoever you allow to, to speak into your life, that's who you're going to become. That's the reason we encourage people to come to church. It's the reason that we say, hey, if you haven't heard the last part of the Breaking Free series, go to the website and listen to it. It'll set you free in terms of understanding your righteousness. Go listen to it. Why? Not because we we, we make almost all of our stuff available for free. We ain't trying to sell you nothing. We just want your life to be better. But if you come to church for one hour, or let's say you give me an hour and a half, okay, okay? And as we get older, we're going to go, let's say you give me two. Yeah. Let's say you come to church for two hours. All the rest of the week, if you're not meditating on this, you're not thinking about it, you're not talking to people about it, you're not reading, you're not doing anything on your own, these two hours is literally like a mosquito biting an elephant. It ain't going to make much impact at all you got to make sure that th- this right here, this is just a little bit. All these scriptures get you a Bible that has cross-references. You can spend hours cross-referencing these scriptures with other scriptures. You'll be amazed at what you can learn. Amen? Now, now he- here- here- here's something that may shock you, and, I-, and, I-, and I-, I need to say this. Faith and fear, write this down if you're taking notes. Faith and fear actually work the same. Faith and fear actually work the same. Someone say, well, Pastor, why would that be? Because, watch this, they are in essence called reciprocals of one another. Now, I know that you've matriculated through college algebra and all those things. Well, let's go back to your elementary school days. In your elementary school days, and before they introduced to you fractions, they introduced to you whole numbers, okay? Now, when you had a whole number, let's take the number four. If you were going to make that whole number a fraction, you know that you would put four over what? Yeah. Four <laughs> over one. That's a whole number, four. The reciprocal of that, four over one, would be what? One over four. Because a reciprocal just means they flipped it, Right? So imagine this, God came, he sent Jesus, Jesus saved us, Jesus is full of faith, we're born, made in the image of God, we're full of faith, amen? We're at four, okay? That's faith. Fear is on the bottom. The devil's job is to get you to flip it so that you become a reciprocal, so that you don't live by the four, you don't live by faith, you live by fear, you live by the one. Here's the problem. One-fourth is just a quarter of the whole. The devil's job is to get you to live beneath your full destiny. He, 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 want, he wants you to live a life so full of fear that everything God wants you to have, you only ever get a portion of it. So what you have to learn to do is to separate the two because they work the same so whichever one you believe in is what it's going to connect you to. It's it's going to connect you to. If you, watch this, if you are afraid that people are going to leave you, you know what always ends up happening? They leave you. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You you make them want to leave you. Now, people don't like to hear that, but it's true. If every time you in your mind think, oh, my God, they're going to leave me. Oh, my God, i got a new friend. They're going to leave me. Oh, my God, they don't want to be with me. Oh, my God, I I, I know they don't like me. Oh, my God, what can I say to make them stay here? People get so tired of you, they leave. (laughs) That sounds mean, but it's true. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> but if you got the attitude, you say, Pastor said all the time, I'm wonderful. People love me. Oh, <laughs> now, that, that's not arrogant. She's saying, hey, it's what I think about myself. I'm good. Christ has redeemed me. Who's on the inside of me? Everybody might not like, but there are people who like me. Yeah. And so as a, as a result, people like her. Okay? So it's extremely important that you understand that these two things work the same. I'm really going to stop with this. Look at this. I, I do. Because you got it. Now, now listen. Let, let me say this. Let me, let me say this. I've been studying faith for 14 years. There's no way I can give you 14 years of my personal study in three weeks, let alone in an hour. So I'm going to let you go. But I got lots to say. But I'm about to let you go. Okay? But I got to show you something. I got to show you how this works. Go to Job chapter 3. Job chapter 3. It's not Job. Job. <laughs> i had a pastor, pastor go to the book of job i was like no nah, bro you gotta get one of them <laughs> the book of Job, brother that's the book of Job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> listen if you can't laugh in church man what's 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 the deal right i mean he said it so it was funny and you know <laughs> you hang around me you know if it's funny i'm going laugh yes sir all right let's go to job job three now, notice, in, in, the, in the book of Job, chapter 3, uh, you, 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 and really if you, and i just say it like this, if you, start in, if you start in chapter 1, you find out that Job was this man who the Bible says was perfect. Now, it didn't mean he didn't make mistakes. What it meant was that Job was a man during that time who tried his best to live by the law and did pretty good. He lived by the law when he messed messed up. He made the right sacrifices. He did the things that were pleasing to God. As a result, if you read chapter 1, you find out that the Lord blessed Job. Job was loaded. Job was rich. He had like 3,000 camels and 5,000 she-asses and all these other kind of animals that would make a person rich during that time. But the Bible also says that he was rich in his family because he had seven boys, and he had, he, had, he had seven boys and three girls. He had 10 kids, and all of his kids were doing fine. All of his sons had their own houses. They invited their sister to come over and eat with, and drink with them. But the Bible says something extremely important in chapter one. It says that Job every day made a sacrifice to God because he was afraid that his kids weren't going to live right, and something bad was going to happen to him. Okay, so that's what Job did. Job loved God, but Job was in fear. Say, Job Job lived in fear. fear. And what's with Job's fear was this. That something's going to happen to my family. Well, you keep reading and you find out later on in chapter one uh, that Job ended up losing his kids. He lost his property. He lost all these things. And you can read one and two on your own. But look at chapter three. Chapter three, verse 25. I want you to underline, mark, highlight, do whatever you got to do. Do not miss this. We're talking about faith. The key to victorious living. And if you don't understand that fear and faith are both connectors, you won't understand why you're not getting, why you are getting what you're getting or why you're not getting what you want. Job chapter 3 verse 25. It says, this is Job speaking. He says, for the thing which I greatly would is what? And that which I was what? Is what? Come to me. It's so important that you hear that. Don't miss that. That's not something like Job says, the thing that I greatly feared has what? Come to me. The thing I was most afraid of is now in my life. Why did it come to Job's life? Because it was the thing that he was connected to. So you can't live your life based on fear. Because if you do, I promise you, you will get to see it come to pass in your life. But watch this. This is not gloom and doom because faith works the same way. And here's the great thing. You get to choose. Tell your neighbor, say, I choose whether or not I am in faith or in fear. Last thing. gonna Go to Genesis 11. No, that was, that was just faith. That was just fear. I got to show you faith. Genesis 11. You can laugh, but you're going to want this when you get home. You're going to want all this on the tape. Genesis 11. Now, here's what I tell people all the time. People buy Cosmo. People read articles on the Internet. People go see superhero movies. And how many know ain't no superhero movie less than two and a half hours? No, No, I'm serious. I'm serious. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. I love going to the movie. But I have seen people literally at the movie theater, sitting in the movie theater, just like this. And they won't go to the bathroom because they don't want to miss something. They just rocking. you like, well, you just get up and go. They just rock it, because they don't want to miss something. So if you can sit for two hours for a movie that won't produce nothing in your life, you can give God 90 minutes. You, you, you can. You can. And if you can't, you can train yourself. Watch this. Because if you can go to a movie and sit for two and a half hours and I go to the bathroom and not move and I get fidgety, you can do it where God is concerned, especially when it's concerning your life. Amen. amen. I'm preaching better than you saying Amen. Now, <laughs> now, that, now, that's just the reality. And sometimes you have to get people to give an aha moment. It's like, you know what? That is true. That's true. You go to a movie for two hours and you can't sit for 45 minutes to hear a word, you ain't never going to grow up. Amen? You got to grow yourself up. Last one. That's how fear works. Let me show you how faith works. Genesis chapter 11. You got it? Now, watch this because this is, this is just good stuff. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. It says, and the whole earth was of one language. And of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Now watch this. Look at verse 3. It says, and they said one to another, underline they, go to, let us make brick, underline let us, and burn them thoroughly. And they had, underline they, Brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. Underline they. In verse 3, you see the power of agreement. It says they, it says us, it says they, it says us. Look at verse 4. It says, and they said, watch this, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach into the heavens. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now watch this. Verse 1 through 4, this is what happens. These people come together. Let's say it's me, Rick, Misty, Lee, uh, Chris, Sean. Oh, we come together. We say, you know what? We all speak the same language. We all of one accord. We are going to build us a tower, and we're going to build it so high, we're going to actually reach heaven. Now we think, man, they crazy. They sound like them Haley, that hale come coming people or Jim Jones. I ain't no way they're going to do that. But watch this. The Bible says something so powerful in this next verse. Look at verse 6. It says, and the Lord came down to do what? To see this. Are y'all there? And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men, would yeah. Built or builded. Here's why this is important. If you read the story, they never built a tower. They they never built a tower. What they did is they got into agreement that they was going to do it. That's all. Go back and read it. They never built a tower. All they ever said was, Chris, we're going to do this. We're going to build us a tower. We're going to make us some brick. We're going to get us some stone and some slime. We're going to build us a tower, and we're going to reach all the way to heaven. And the Bible says that because it was on one accord and because they had one belief that they were going to be able to do it. In fact, the Bible says that the Lord came down and he saw it. Where did he see it? He saw it in the spirit realm because that's where everything happens first. That's where your faith gets to come to get into your soul. Your, they were on one accord. They said, we agree. We're going to do this. But look at verse 6. It says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men built it. That was verse 5. Verse 6 says, And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. Watch this. He says, And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have what? Which they have what? Now, he used the word imagine. (laughs) Now, what have I been saying about your soul? It consists of your mind, your will. So because in their soul realm, they had decided it could be done, the Lord said, I've already seen it done. I wish you'd get that. In your soul, if you believe you heal, God already sees you healed. In your soul, if you believe that you don't have to be struggling with financial issues, God already sees you debt free. In your soul, if you believe the word of God has declared that your marriage will be made whole, God says, I already see it made whole. In your soul, if you believe that the job you've been believing for is yours, God says, if you have faith for it, I already see it too. That's what faith is. Faith is not about how you feel. Faith is not about what it is that you think you can manage or make happen. Faith is about what do I believe and can I get in agreement with God about it? That's why he used the word they. That's why I used the word us. He, he, you never see the word I in here. He never says, I'm going to do this. Why? Because God knows that if you're going to walk in faith, you have to be in agreement with him. He says, and if you get in agreement with me, nothing will be restrained from you. I wish I had some folk in here who believe that nothing would be restrained from them. Some folk who say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm going I'm to walk by faith. I'm going to agree with God. And I'm telling the devil right now, nothing is going to be restrained from me. All things are possible to me because I believe God. And I'm telling you, man, when you, when, when you get to that point in your life and you begin to believe God, nothing can stop you. Nothing can stop you. I'm done. Pastor you can come on. Listen, we've got so much more we've got to talk about where this faith is concerned. I'm telling you, don't let excuses and things stop you from coming out the next couple of weeks. It might not be the most entertaining message you've ever heard, but if you will come and you'll be open and you'll listen, I'm telling you, it ain't but two things I can really, really do. One of them is not sing. I really, really cannot sing. I can't do that. I, I can do that well, not sing. The other one is I can teach you to walk by faith. I can, t- I can systematically show you what you need to do to walk by faith if you'll make the decision to do it. How do I know? Because for the last 14 years of my life, this is what God's been showing me. This is what God's been showing me. And, and, and a lot of times, people like to go to church, and they like to do things that make them feel good. Sometimes when you're learning something new, it don't feel good. First time I took molecular biology, that, I, that, that didn't feel good. Everything I thought about myself was changed when I took that class. I was like, oh, wait. It didn't feel good. But if I wanted a degree, I had to take the class. Amen? If you want the promise, you need to come to the class so that you can get the instruction. Because instruction, and, and watch this, once you get instruction, that's not the end of it. How many know you go to lecture, but you got to go home and study notes? You do. Now, you may be one of them super students or have one of them classes, but for most people, when you go to class, even after the lecture, before the test, you got to study them notes. Well, the same thing is true where the Word of God is concerned. You're not going to get it through osmosis. You're not going to slide your Bible under your pillow and just think because you sleep it's going to get in there. It doesn't happen that way. You're going to have to open it. You're going to have to read it. And parents... Do it with your kids. Kids grasp faith so much faster than adults. Why? Because sometimes they don't have those limited experiences that has caused them pain and discomfort. They just believe whatever the, the word says. Come on, stand to your feet. I'm going to tell you this story. I remember one time we were, it was my fault, we had forgot to get gas. And we would sit in the parking lot. And we were doing, Wait, I think we had to order a pizza or something. And we got there before, um, before it was time. And we were just sitting in the parking lot. I wasn't watching the gas hand. And the car, you know, the car make that, that telltale sign. It go. T-t-t-t-t-t-t-t. we was like, oh no. Sean so was like, what is that? I, I looked at the gas and I was like, nothing. I cut it off. <laughs> oh, nothing, you know. So we wait, we get the pizza. The kids sitting in the back of the car. I start the car. <laughs> we're sitting on the incline, so you know that's a bad deal, right? Because the gas ran all the way to the back. And I remember one of the kids. I don't know if it was Jordan, it was a Taylor. We were sitting, we were in the car, and she said she sitting in the back. She said, "I declare the name of Jesus. This car gonna start. We're gonna have enough gas to get to the gas station, and Daddy not gonna make a mistake and not put gas in the car no more." And at that time, I, I, I needed some faith because Sean was looking all upside my she head. Was so she was right. The peace <laughs> are getting cold, you know. And so I was like, Lord, just please let that baby prayer come. I didn't even have no faith in my own by that time. Like, Lord, let this baby faith. And I turned that thing and it said, man, I put that car in reverse and gunned it to the gas station. <laughs> Why do I tell you that story? Because, man, I'm telling you, parents, share faith with your kids. They'll start having faith experiences that will cause them to never have to go through what we went through because they'll, get, they'll start understanding faith early. And, and, and they'll just they'll be like, no, this is what you got to do. You got to believe God. Our kids still do it. Sometimes they'll call us on something. I'm like, oh, I don't feel good. They'll be like, don't say that. Or i say, I don't a get do a cold. Don't, why are you claiming a cold? You know, it's great to have kids to call you on it. So spend time in the Word, but also spend time discussing it with your children, husband and wives. Discuss it together, you know, in a civil manner. You know, not, it's not a tit-for-tat thing. Well, you ain't in faith today. You know, not, 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 <laughs> not, <laughs> not that kind of way. Not that kind of way. But you just start. You know, you, you, somebody say something, you say, you know, hey, that, that, that's not a faith statement. You don't have to be like, you know what, you're right, you're right. How can I rephrase, rephrase that? And I'm telling you, if you do that, you'll start seeing uh, things come to pass in your life. Study this week. This is going to be on the website, www.focchurchoneword.tv. You can go listen to it. Uh, no charge. Amen. Put it on your iPod. Uh, it may not be your best workout music. You know, I, I, you know I, I realize when you're working out, you might need something a little more ratchet. That's cool. I understand that. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I understand that. I ain't got a problem with that. But when you're driving to work and you're sitting in traffic because you know 49 going to be full, put that word in. So when somebody pull over in front of you, you respond the right way. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great morning.